0: Hi, I just want to welcome everyone again to the Rocky River uh, United Methodist podcast. Um, And we're actually going to be starting a new series today that we're both really excited about. Um, It's going to be about conflict. Um, In this series, we're going to be looking at different um, conflicts found throughout Scripture. Um, And from these conflicts, we can learn a lot about Um, solutions to conflict and the variations of conflict, and really, I I mean, as much as we all know, conflict is just part of our life, and to see all these different sorts of conflict in Scripture speaks to how Scripture um, relates to real life, and and we can learn from the pages of God's Word. Um, So for the next three series, we're going to be talking about conflict. Um, different conflict found throughout scripture and today we're going to be talking about Saul and David um, and how that what we can learn from that conflict Um, Paul is going to give us a quick summary of um, Paul or Saul and David and that conflict there
1: Yeah, I tried to talk Stephen into just role-playing some different conflicts and (laughs) methods on this podcast but you know he wasn't too keen on that so i guess we'll just keep on talking things out like we've been doing in the past uh but our first session on conflict is going to be based upon the story of uh, king saul and david which can be found in the book of first samuel in scripture and and uh, really the the story of saul uh, begins early in that uh, book and uh in verse or in chapter 16 is when david enters the picture Uh, as he is anointed the future king by the prophet Samuel. And from there forward, we have uh, a number of different chapters playing out the saga of this conflict that exists between King Saul and David. Uh, Just a quick breakdown of of some of the high points and low points of this uh, conflict that is ongoing. Uh, First of all, as we mentioned, David, uh, the son of, of Jesse, is anointed king by Samuel uh, as uh, King Saul, the first king of Israel, clearly is not working out as king and, and God decides to go a different direction with the future of the kingdom and uh, his people. And so he sends his prophet Samuel to anoint a new king. Uh, David, the, the least uh, most likely of the sons of Jesse, is nonetheless chosen by God to be that king. So, so David has this, this divine anointing upon him um, from the time of, of uh, being a, an adolescent um, all the way up until uh, he finally embraces that role on the other side of Saul's death. But in between, a lot happens. Uh, King Saul is, is still in power. Um, he is uh, plagued by this evil spirit uh, that comes and, and begins to uh, kind of destroy his sanity. His rule begins to, to wane. His influence over the people begins to wane. Uh, David, uh, oddly enough, is is brought in without uh, Saul knowing that he had been anointed the future king by the prophet. He is brought in to play the harp. Uh, David was an adept uh, uh, harp player and uh, comes in and and is called upon to play the harp to to soothe uh, Saul's nerves. And so they have this odd uh, relationship early on. Um, David is is staying in the royal palace, or at least uh, in the vicinity of, of King Saul, uh, when Goliath and the Philistines come, and, and Goliath uh, uh, offers this challenge uh, for anybody to uh, come up against him in one-on-one combat, David takes this on as a, a young teenager, and in the story most of us know all too well, uh, defeats the great giant Goliath, and so David's uh, reputation begins to grow in the kingdom. Uh, David becomes uh, close friends with Saul's son, uh, the, essentially the prince, Jonathan, and uh, they develop this incredible bond, and they kind of make a, a covenant friendship pact with each other to take care of each other uh, going forward. Uh, David, his reputation uh, amongst the people continues to grow and grow and grow uh, to the point where people are singing songs about David and, uh, and his glory and his accomplishments in battle and in uh, all the things he does well, and, and Saul is kind of being... Um, Uh, subtly put down in these songs. They talk about how Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. All of Saul's people are singing these songs. Saul becomes incredibly jealous, Uh, so much so to the point where uh, he orders his son and and, uh, other members of the the army to uh, attempt to kill David. Uh, But Jonathan, as we discussed, was a, a close friend of David, decides to warn David and protect him. Um, so this uh, saga continues. Uh, David, is his life is spared, um, but uh, not too long after that, David is once again playing the harp in the, the palace, and Saul has this evil spirit take over him again, and he flings his spear towards David, tries to kill him. David escapes. Uh, David takes off into the wilderness. Saul pursues him. Um, David has this opportunity, uh, when hiding in a cave, to, to jump out and and kill Saul at this moment when Saul doesn't recognize that that his enemy is uh, just a a few footsteps away. But David decides to spare Saul's life, uh, which he does several times in this book. Uh, David continues to show grace and uh, patience with Saul. Saul continues uh, through the the work of this spirit upon him, this evil spirit, uh, to feel jealousy and anger and hatred towards David. And ultimately, it all ends uh, when Saul's life ends in battle Uh, His his army is being defeated, everybody around him has uh, been killed, and Saul falls on his own sword uh, and takes his own life. So this is the the rundown of this uh, incredible story of David and Saul, this ongoing conflict uh, between them with so many different uh, elements to it and uh, dynamics within it that we can use to break down and, and try to learn a few things about our own lives and conflicts that we might find ourselves engaged in. Uh, we chose this this topic of conflict uh, because it is relevant i I think to each and every one of us um, and it's something that uh, is uh, our conflicts in life are very emotionally driven Um, they have a a tendency to uh, create in us a a sense of kind of selfishness uh, self-preservation um, and the emotional side of things uh, sometimes causes us to make poor decisions in the midst of conflict. It's something that uh, people in general in life are not incredibly um, skilled at dealing with unless they have these conversations, unless they seek outside sources and, and uh, or have people modeling it for them in effective ways. Uh, so a very important topic for us to, to engage and, and hopefully learn a little bit about in the midst of uh, these sessions coming up. Um, so as we look at the story of, of uh, Saul and David, we were looking for different uh, facets of conflict to discuss individually that can be pulled from this story, also applied to our life. And the first one uh, that we decided to target was that of triangulation. Uh, you've probably, maybe in a workplace environment or maybe going through school, heard this concept of uh, a conflict uh, resulting in triangulation where two parties who are at, at odds with each other uh, somehow one or, or both of the parties ends up bringing another person into the mix uh, and, and uh, ends up putting them in an awkward position of trying to take sides against somebody else uh, or vice versa. And uh, this in the story of Saul and David clearly occurs through the involvement of Jonathan. Uh, Jonathan, who is Saul's son, the prince, um, so has an obvious allegiance to his father as all. Uh, sons tend to uh, but also has this close friendship with David and so the the David or uh, Jonathan plays the the perfect uh, example here of triangulation at its worst Um, a few things that that stick out to me one you know Jonathan clearly at some point in his life felt some some level of respect and admiration for his father because we we hear in the story how ashamed Jonathan is of his father's behavior how he approaches his father trying to uh, convince him to see reason and, and treat uh, David with more respect um, I think this all comes from Jonathan at some point in his life uh, having some level of respect for his father you know his, his father had been at some point a good man an honest man we see this of Saul early early in his life and, and really the, the corruption of his soul begins after he he takes power as king um, so as Jonathan is, is being pulled in, in that direction out of love for his father and want to, to see his father be healthy and, and make good decisions, but also in in the direction of uh, clearly pitying David and, and feeling empathy for him and uh, feeling obligated to try and do the right thing and protect David from his father who is unjustly uh, seeking revenge and and uh, pursuing him and, and t- trying to take his life out of jealousy. So Jonathan is in this, this horrible situation many of us can relate to. We've been to uh, been in our own lives where we're being pulled into a conflict that isn't really ours or it's ours all too much because we have connections to both parties. Um, but really, we, we should not be involved uh, directly in that situation. Um, a passage that, that jumped out at me that I thought would be helpful to, uh, to engage as we break this down is uh, from Matthew 18, verses 15 through 20. So these are uh, Jesus's words to the people in the Gospel of Matthew he says if your brother sins against you go and show him his fault just between the two of you if he listens to you you have won your brother over but if he will not listen take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses if he refuses to listen to them tell it to the church and if he refuses to listen even to the church treat him as you would a pagan or tax collector i tell you the truth whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven again i tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for it will be done for you by my father in heaven for where two or three come together in my name there am i with them god's desire friends is for us to be in community we've already covered that and no, we just came through a a series on uh, family and, and marriage and and uh, parenting um, all of this is is uh, rooted in God's desire for us to be in healthy community and relationships with the people around us conflict is obviously uh, the, the, the the greatest threat uh, to destroying those relationships and uh, our experience of community so God wants nothing more than for us to avoid conflict and address it appropriately and the the thing that Jesus, emphasizes here more than anything is that if there's a conflict that involves two people let it involve two people and this is a in our society today maybe a novel idea and one that we so often uh, miss or skip over that if you feel uh, frustration towards somebody if you feel somebody has wronged you go directly to that person and have a conversation with them i feel like i could stop talking now and that concept alone would be enough for us to resonate on for an entire week because imagine a world where people actually lived that out, where people engaged each other, where they weren't afraid to, to approach each other. And when they did so, they did so uh, speaking the truth, but doing so in love, <coughs> and being open and honest uh, with a person that they feel conflict uh, with. So um, God is, is calling us to, to engage one another. And I think there's so much evidence in our society of people doing the exact opposite. Uh, can you imagine? Uh, how social media would change if if no longer it was this platform for uh, speaking ill against other people or pulling others into uh, these awkward or uncomfortable conflicts between two people who, who could resolve their differences by sitting down face to face together and, and working things out our, our workplace environments or family dynamics all of this would be transformed if we were simply willing to keep a conflict of two people uh, between two people uh, so when it comes to triangulation uh, simply we, we could go a great deal more in depth in this but i simply want to say uh, until you've at the very least attempted to engage another person in honesty and uh, in, in a loving way and to to engage the topic whatever it is that's coming between you um, then please uh, do not bring other people into it please do not blow it out of proportion just to engage that other person and try and have an honest conversation with them and triangulation in most cases can be avoided by that simple uh kind of terrifying but very very rewarding step being taken by uh people who are seeking to do right by god and one another
0: yeah and then when it comes to the root of this conflict it begins as uh, paul is talking it begins with saul it begins with saul's jealousy and saul's jealousy with david really began early on and because of this je- jealousy Saul had against David, the conflict between them grew and grew. Um, though the conflict mainly grew because it grew because of Saul's jealousy towards David. Um, but David um, hadn't done anything um, towards Saul, but David was just growing in, in success and recognition and from that um, from that success and recognition, Saul developed jealousy within his heart. So I'm gonna read a passage of scripture, First Samuel chapter eighteen, six through nine. And this passage actually was hinted at by Paul early on in the introduction, um, but we're gonna read that passage here, verse by verse. So it's first, first eight, or First Samuel chapter eighteen, verses six through nine. And it says, when the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul and with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with tambrels and lyres. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with with tens of thousands, he thought, but with me, only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. So from the song and the simple, very simple lyric of Saul killing thousands and David killing tens of thousands, um, from the very simple lyric, um, and this is right after David had, um, soon after David had had the conflict with Goliath. And David's success was already growing and spreading very early on in his life. And and Saul's jealousy began Um, springing to life from that moment. Um, And Saul's jealousy only grew as David's success grew. And as David became more and more loved by the whole nation of Israel, and he became loved by, um, as as Paul talked about, Jonathan loved David, and then one of um, Saul's own daughters loved David, and, and then God was with David in all his success. So all of this accumulated into the rise of Saul's jealousy. And also, this jealousy also arose because of Saul's fear of David. There's several verses in in chapter 18 that speak about Saul's fear of David. Now, this is the danger of jealousy, and for us as Christians, why we need to root it out of our lives. If there's any root of jealousy within us, it's it's very dangerous. Um, First, jealousy blinds us to the many blessings and opportunities that the Lord has given us. You know, jealousy is essentially telling the Lord to His face that we're not thankful for what He has given us, and that that we want what someone else has. So jealousy is is an about face against God, um, and and it's it's essentially telling God I'm unthankful for what I have, and what I really want is what that other person has over there. Not only that, but jealousy is a motivation to act upon it, um, and then second, jealousy makes us into an angry and ultimately hateful person towards anyone who has what we want or is doing something that we want to do Um, jealousy just like other vices grows over time so jealousy grew so much and saw that he was willing willing to take David's life now I know uh, many of us who have jealousy or cases of jealousy don't raise to that degree of of taking someone's life or trying to take someone's life but in our heart of hearts, we can sometimes wish that that person was gone or that we were in their place. And, and according to Scripture, Jesus is concerned with the heart. And, and if we have that attitude within our heart, it, it's just as dangerous of what jealousy can lead us to do. So that's our we can learn from that lesson of the rise of jealousy and, and, and how jealousy affects our day-to-day conflicts.
1: And isn't the biggest challenge with jealousy identifying it, this, this self-awareness of, yeah. of being able to acknowledge, yes, I'm feeling the way I'm feeling because I'm jealous of that person. The last thing anybody in this world wants to acknowledge is that they're jealous of somebody else, what somebody else has, what somebody else has accomplished, uh, because that, uh, that represents us as, as being somebody who's less than uh, somebody who who doesn't have or hasn't accomplished I mean the implication if we're acknowledging that is that we have openly fallen short of our own expectations or somebody else's expectations and we are not what somebody else is we don't have what they have whatever the case might be uh, it's difficult to acknowledge which means uh, we are not looking for opportunities to acknowledge it so often when we feel it um, we don't recognize it and I think uh, the last thing we want is to own it but if we have people around us that can help hold us accountable or if we have a a healthy relationship with God where we have that level of self-awareness where we're listening to God and and allowing Him to speak into our hearts and lives that we can recognize those moments when we are acting or feeling something out of jealousy uh, then that can change the entire dynamic of of how this plays out Uh, but you have to be open to acknowledging that very real um, experience of jealousy that all of us have at, at some point or another uh, but if you don't recognize it own it and uh, then be willing to respond to it um, then it can get it can get incredibly ugly uh, as uh, this story and, and uh, others in Scripture point out so we've covered triangulation uh, we've covered jealousy uh, another element of this story in particular that stood out to us when it comes to conflict was this a uh, notion of being stuck in a relationship, um, in which conflict is the reality, and uh, not being able to, um, not being able to step back, not being able to find separation, and this is important, I think, for many of us because this is the reality for many of us. Uh, Saul was in the story the the, the uh, king, the chosen king, the, the the king that was currently on the throne. David was the anointed king. So at some indefinite uh, time, David was to become king. Uh, You would love to to say that the two guys were pals and they they knew all the circumstances. They were both on board with God's plan that, you know, Saul was going to be king until the time came when David was supposed to become king and Saul would just uh, nicely hand over his throne to David. Uh, That was not the case. The the jealousy factor was huge. Um, So that this conflict was an ongoing reality uh, for them that uh, sucked everybody around them into it. Imagine all the people that got pulled into this conflict. We talked triangulation. We talked Jonathan. What about the the people in Saul's army who he commanded uh, to kill David? You know, at different points along the way, or the people in his uh, kingdom that witnessed their their king uh, lose sight of his greater purpose as king, and instead, all of his energy was focused on his. Uh, anger towards David. So, so many people were pulled into this. It was an ongoing conflict because of the nature of the relationship between David and Saul uh, that was left unresolved for for many, many years. So how do you deal with conflicts like this that are ever-present, don't seem uh, to be able to be resolved? Maybe it's a a conflict within your family with a a sibling or uh, an in-law of some sort. Uh, maybe you're in a workplace situation where somebody in your workplace you just don't get along with you you don't see eye to eye uh, with one another on different things. Uh, whatever the scenario we we've all had those conflicts in our lives um, that are just always there and we can't just make a choice to walk away from that person and never never be around them or never have to work with them or communicate with them again. Uh, I wish I could give you a nice thirty second you know answer solution to solve all your problems and and uh, make this reality go away. Um, if that existed, then I, I think I, I could have written a book about it and retired years ago. But, uh, but what do we do in these, in these situations? One, I, I think we have to have a, a healthy support system around us if this is a reality in our lives that we're gonna be uh, in close proximity to somebody we struggle with on a regular basis. Have people around us that are aware of our, our struggle uh, in that situation. Make sure they're a healthy support system people who are there not just to, to tell you what you wanna hear and uh, in many cases fuel your anger, your frustration with that person, but somebody who's aware of the big picture and supports the, the betterment of everybody involved, uh, somebody that's willing to call you out on your foolishness when you're seeing things out of, uh, through the eyes of, of say jealousy or frustration or pride, or whatever the case might be, uh, but uh, an accountability system, an encouragement system, support system of people Uh, Who can be there and support you and and help you maintain a healthy interaction with this person that you struggle uh, with? Another thing is to set up healthy guardrails. I like to call them boundaries to uh, make sure that you're you're not uh, putting yourself in an impossible situation. If you if you work with somebody who you are constantly in this uh, spirit of conflict with, then try as best you can to um, to not have as much direct interaction with them um as as possible or try to work through other people sometimes this is impossible but as much as it's possible uh try to set proper boundaries um guardrails to keep you from veering off the course because uh you're putting yourself in a situation where you uh you are not healthy strong enough to be able to uh, be the person you're called to be in this situation and so you're pulled off course and, and you become the smaller person instead of the bigger person or you're you're pouring fuel on the fire instead of water. Um, So protect yourself with a good support system, uh, set boundaries as much as possible. Um, Often I recommend people in these these scenarios, whether short-term conflicts, long-term conflicts, rely on written communication. If you struggle to be in the same space as that person uh, without uh, frustration ebbing into something ugly, uh, write letters to them, Uh, communicate to them in, in safer ways. And uh, as you do so, as you have opportunity to communicate, find ways to to emphasize the positives, you know, emphasize when you've had good interactions, emphasize those, emphasize good qualities about that person. Uh, You might say, kill them with kindness, uh, because uh, there is hope, there's always hope, God's strength can uh, come into these scenarios and help us solve these dilemmas that we think are impossible to resolve. Uh, But kill them with kindness, show them love, uh, love on such a radical level, they don't see it coming. And because they don't see it coming, they're caught off guard by your grace, by the love of Christ that that resides within you is being displayed to them. And uh, to such an extent that it actually has the power to change them and change the dynamics of that situation. Uh, So a good support system, uh, accountability, um, right uh, in communication rather than face to face, um, acknowledge that conflict with them and maybe if you both are aware of it you can come up with some sort of agreement where you you know you struggle with each other but for the safety and the betterment of the people around you you're going to agree to disagree on certain things agree to keep some distance between you um, and maybe gradually slowly work on this relationship whatever nature it might have over a period of time and understand in the meantime uh, that you have to be safe and, and uh, maintain healthy boundaries in that relationship. So we all have these ongoing relationships with people where there's tension, struggle. Uh, it's always going to be a, a struggle um, it, when you're in the midst of that. It's, uh, you might say, the thorn in, in the flesh, as as Paul described at times. Uh, but there are ways to, to be healthier in those situations, even when that struggle uh, continues day to day.
0: Yeah. And then um, to close here our last last topic or last principle and, and I think what's important as Christians as you're I think there are many Christian Christians are um, are not um, Christians are vulnerable to being in ongoing conflicts just like anyone else. And what's important though is maintaining our integrity and that's the last thing we want to look at is David and how he maintained his integrity throughout this ongoing conflict that really took up the majority of his, the early portion of his life. Um, so what's amazing with what transpired between David and Saul is that David's amazing ability to maintain his integrity. David never once tried to kill Saul in retaliation for Saul trying, trying to kill him. Two times David spares Saul's life. Um, and the first one came in, and the one I want to speak about specifically, is the first one that came in, First Samuel chapter 24. Verses three through eight, and I'll read that for us just to give us a little uh, context of the situation. Um, so Saul is chasing David, and David is running for his life. Um, but Saul's armies, um, at one point, um, stop and and almost kind of you could think if you're on the highway, kind of a rest stop. And Paul pulls or Saul pulls over to use the restroom, and lo and behold, David is there. So we pick up, and it says. He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there. And Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were in the far back in the cave. The men said, This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Which always begs a question. Saul must have really been relieving himself to. Not notice his robe being cut. Afterward, David was conscious stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, "The The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went on his way so in this opportunity david had this opportunity to kill perfect opportunity to kill um to kill saul but he didn't and he used it just to cut off a little corner of his robe and even with that david struggled with the integrity of even cutting his robe and here we we clearly see that david has chosen um, not to harm the lord's anointed or in other words the lord's chosen king that david would not lay a hand on him and as I said before, this is a first instance, instance, and David again, at, at another time, prevented um, Saul from being killed, and he chose the high road of integrity. Um, and even in David's early success, he, he's quoted saying, who am I, and I'm only a poor man and, and little known. And David's integrity is, is filled up with also his humility and his reliance on the Lord. Um, when you look at the definition of integrity, it, it really kind of reads like David's early life. Um, the definition of integrity is the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles and moral uprightness. Um, so David's moral principle not to harm Saul and to remain faithful to the Lord's chosen king is remarkable. However, we, David was able to have this profound integrity because of his relationship with God Um, and what that meant to him. So if if you've ever read the Psalms, you see that David wrote the majority of all the Psalms that are written in there. And you can see this intense love that David has for the Lord. He says um, in one of the Psalms, it says, um, You, God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. And he speaks about his his longing to be with the Lord forever in the shadow of His wings. Um, so David's integrity doesn't mean he was perfect, but he certainly was he certainly was not. But his integrity did mean he was willing to confess and own up to his sinfulness. Um, one of the Psalms he said, "Have mercy on me, Lord, heal me, for I have sinned against you." Um, David is able to recognize his sinfulness and his need for God, and and because of this his integrity is to be able to be built because of his relationship with god so it's important for us as christians what to learn from from david's example um, is that it, to be a person of integrity at first it takes understanding our place before god and also having this love and awareness of god and and awareness of god's goodness towards us um, to help maintain our integrity because our integrity needs to be founded on something and what foundation can be stronger than the Lord's foundation, when it comes to maintaining maintaining our integrity in the midst of conflict? Because really, if a conflict um, is going to cease, someone has to someone has to have that integrity to step up and say to speak honestly, to speak truthfully. And when you have the opportunities to get back at someone, you just you you don't take it, and that is extremely, extremely, extremely hard. Um, it's hard for anyone, hard for myself, especially hard for Paul. So, <laughs> but yeah, taking that high road when you have the opportunity to to slight someone is very hard to do, and it takes that intense love for God and that and that relationship with Him, and maintaining that um, as as David did. So, um, just kind of to wrap it up, um, this is one of the many conflicts of Scripture that we can. Um, really grab some great principles to learn from, and maintaining our integrity, being aware of the danger of jealousy, understanding triag...
1: how do you say that? Triangulation.
0: Triangulation, there, a little tongue (laughs) twister there, (laughs) and uh, also understanding just some conflicts can be ongoing, and as Paul had said earlier, um, no ongoing conflicts, we must make sure that we are staying safe and getting help when needed, and um, but yeah. Any final words for Paul? Paul, in this,
1: yeah, I think you've uh, covered it all, Steve. <laughs> we'll talk more about my uh, integrity and in conflict after we hit the stop button here. But you've covered everything brilliantly.
0: Yeah. So this is our first of three sessions on conflict. Um, really looking forward to our next two and. And uh, thank you for everyone who's been listening. Thank you for your feedback. We thank you for all the love that you've shown us. And uh, we all pray for your health and safety as we still trek through this time of the virus. Um, we pray that, we hope that you have a great um, beginning of summer as, as we sit here in this sweltering hot room. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we are really looking forward to seeing you all at church here sometime soon. And um, with those words, please take care and um, we love everyone, and, and we'll talk to you later.